If you were a cold, heartless organization in person, chances are you're gonna be a cold, heartless organization online. I've learned it kind of reinforces that idea that what has always existed in terms of core principles still is here, but it will constantly change in the form of which we learn those lessons. I think our job as leaders is to help people recognize and empower what their top 10 is. And if it's not in the particular department that they're in right now, how do we help them and empower them to walk away or shift into a role that is still required by us that we can really help them? Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Judy Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. Hello and welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. I'm your co-host, Mitch Simon, on the West Coast, where we just experienced a ton of hail. And on the East Coast, our incredible co-host, Dr. Virginia Bianco, Mathis, Ginny, how are you doing today? Well, I don't have hail, so I'm actually feeling pretty good. It's a sunny day in Fairfax, Virginia. Fairfax, Virginia. Well, can you please introduce our guest from the North? Oh boy, am I excited about this. All right, so today we have Sanjay Nath, who is known for the 10-80-10 principle, which helps leaders engineer human performance and more successfully manage culture shifts and increase job satisfaction. Sanjay was a founding vice president of an e-learning company based in Toronto that has gone on to become a multi-million dollar company. And in 2005, he became the youngest, uh, what are you, 12, uh, Sanjay? The youngest Canadian and uh, third youngest in the world to win uh, certified speaking professional status. He has gone on. He has done 2,000 presentations and over 1 million people in terms of listeners. So bring him on over to uh, our podcast, Sanjay. Anyway, he has an un undergraduate degree in mathematical engineering, an MBA, and if all else fails, he has a black belt in Taekwondo. And he is the author of the 108010 principle. Welcome. Thank you very much. Excited to be here. And yeah, I don't have hail and I don't have sunshine. So I'm kind of in between. I'll be the moderate middle for you guys today. How's that? I want to know one thing, Sanjay. So how many mathematical engineering majors are top speakers in the world? I want to know that. Okay, let me explain this to you. Everyone knows that engineers are well-spoken, social, emotional creatures. And then logically follows, they should all become professional speakers. Any oh, other is questions? that your line? Got it. <laughs> that's, a, that's what I got. That's right. Okay. Okay, terrific. So please share with us what you've learned from the past two years, two and a half years now, but with this whole, what I'm calling social work experiment, uh, experiment that started with COVID and now is hybrid and now keeps morphing. What have I learned? I learned that principles stay the same, but they manifest themselves differently. So the exact same issues we had pre-pandemic still exist. And it's about engagement and communication and building trust and, and creating value for our customers. But what's changed is how we had to do that. So before we could gather around the water cooler, call people into the board meeting and have 
physically, you know, spit on people if, if they misbehave or give them a smack. Uh, but now we have to do it virtually. So the principles haven't changed, but how they manifest themselves have. And I'll tell you, for people that are getting really comfortable going, ah, I got this hybrid thing. I think I think we got it under control. Just wait until the wrench is thrown into the plan because all patterns will continue until they don't. So what have I learned? I've learned it kind of reinforces that idea that what has always existed in terms of core principles still is here, but it will constantly change in the form of which we learn those lessons. Totally, which we'll explore a little bit. So let's start with what is the 10 80 10 principle, and then we can jump off of that. Sure. The 10 80 10 principle says uh, this basically, you can take any group of people and subdivide them to three groups top 10%, bottom 10%, majority 80%. Okay. Top 10 have to be there. Sorry, let me try that again. Bottom 10 have to be there. Top 10 want to be there. The majority 80 goes to whichever group is more empowered, whichever group has more social influence and accolades will attract up or attract them down. Let me give you two very quick examples. If you've ever been to a, uh, a, a live theatric presentation or any presentation live where you ended up giving a standing ovation to something you truly didn't think deserved a standing ovation. So let me explain why that happened. This is 1080-10 at work. So what happens is you're sitting there and chances are you're a majority 80. You're with a go with the flow kind of guy or girl. If you happen to be sitting next to the lead role's mother, she's what we call top 10. So as soon as the presentation is done, she's on her feet, clapping, hooting and hollering and throwing roses going, oh, that's my baby. Oh, <laughs> she starts clapping and cheering. And you kind of look around and you're like, yeah, the presentation was okay. But out of social convention, out of politeness, out of going with the flow, you stand up and you're clapping too. You do it. Everyone else starts doing it. It's an example of the top 10 gets empowered. The majority 80 follows. On the flip side, ever been in a presentation that was bad? That was real bad, like excruciating, like waste of time, waste of energy, bad content, horrible delivery. You'd rather be eating your own spleen kind of presentation, right? And, and you look around and you just notice everyone else is either on their phone or involved in a side conversation. So what do you do? You subtly pick up your phone and you start checking your email. An example of the bottom 10 gets empowered, the majority 80 follows. So that's kind of the, the, the human behavior characteristic and so how you manipulate that, basically, as I go into it and I essentially create an essay and give some proof and all that kind of thing, that says you're going to always get your yield your highest results by doing two things. You're going to neutralize the bottom 10, which means you spend the minimal amount of time, energy, attention, and thought, so it no longer draws resources. And you're going to empower the top 10, which means you spend the maximum amount of time, energy, attention, thought, and resources on it. So... Again, a quick example is if you are a an educator in front of a group of people and there are people who want to be there and people who don't want to be there, the way you're going to get your message across the best is by focusing on the people that want to be there and shutting down the people that don't. And sometimes shutting them down just means ignoring them, letting them do their own thing. And other times it means kicking them out. But you're going to be giving your eye contact, your love, and you're going to be baking muffins for the people that want to be there to engage them and encourage them. Then other people are going to be like, oh, there's benefit. Oh, they learned this. Oh, they made money. Oh, they created better relationships. Oh, they're in better health. I want to play too. So that's what it is in a nutshell. Okay. Now let's play that out. Give me a couple of examples at work and then uh, like with a leader or with especially a team leader. And then I'll give you a hint. The next question is, 
even though you're saying it hasn't changed other than the methodology with hybrid. So some good stories around a leader who wants to pay attention to this principle. Okay. So a classic example. Here, I've done a lot of work with real estate folks. And here's an example that I've used many times with real estate. I go, okay, so I'm a real estate agent and I'm doing a promotion. I've got this fruit basket. I got a hundred dollar fruit basket and I'm trying to get more business. So who do I give the fruit basket to? The top 10, the bottom 10, or the majority 80. And there's a, there's a rationale for all three. So what, what we tend to do is, is if I'm an agent, I go, oh, see that guy right there? Oh my goodness, that is the, the mecca of, of clients. That guy buys a house a day. I want him as a client. And what you do is you go, now, chances are if someone's buying a house a day, they probably have an agent. And they probably have a really good relationship with that agent. So from my perspective, that client right there is actually a bottom 10 for me because they don't know who I am, right? But they're a top 10 to someone else. So you have to understand there's a lot of relativeness going on. So they're a bottom 10 to me. So I go, I will give them the fruit basket. That'll that'll get me more business versus why would I give a fruit, fruit basket to my top 10? They, they're already loyal to me. They're going to buy from me. So let's play it out. I give it to the bottom 10. The bottom 10 doesn't know who I am. They don't even know if the fruit is toxic or not. So they're going to do one of a couple of things. Either they're going to go, uh, creepy and throw it out. Or they're going to re-gift it. Or they're going to eat it. And in none of those scenarios do they go, hmm, this apple tastes great. I should hire that agent. So it's actually completely wasted resources. They probably don't even look at the card or who it's from. But what happens if we go to the top 10? The top 10, are they going to be surprised this comes in? 100%. They're going to be like, wow, I, I didn't expect that. I, you know what? You know, I love you. I'm going to come and buy from you anyways. But what happens now is the top 10 goes to the poker game, the hair salon, the Tupperware party, the neighborhood barbecue. And they are going, you're not going to believe what my agent did for me. They know I'm with them, but they still did. So what, what's gone on here is the top 10, your people get empowered. And then the people at the barbecue going, really? I, my agent doesn't do that. Or... I was thinking of buying, uh, thinking of listing my house. Could I get their contact? So by empowering the top 10, you actually create a magnetic force to attract the majority 80. So in terms, again, of, of, of any sort of marketing, you want to go, who are your base clientele? And you want to be marketing to them, not the people who are your bottom 10, because you're often going to waste resources. Same thing with change management. All right. Yep. Yep. And so now let's really go in. I am a leader. And I am trying to, and it's a hybrid environment. All right. So I've got some people coming in and uh, we're one of the better companies, let's say, which means we've got some clear guidelines. Not everyone's happy with them, but now we're trying to create a more engaging culture, given that people have been through a lot, right? Okay. What do I do? Okay. So... I'm going to tell a story and then I answer your question. A quick little example. My mother has always understood this concept. She said it to me in a different way. She'd go and say to me, Sanjay, if you're walking along and there are 10 pop bottles and nine are knocked over, but the 10th one is upright, there's a greater tendency to walk by and kick over that 10th pop bottle. She said the opposite is true though too. There are 10 pop bottles. Nine of them are upright. The 10th one is knocked over. There's a greater tendency for you to go straighten out that 10th pop bottle. Somehow she thought that was relevant to me keeping my room clean. 
So that little pop bottle example is what we call organizational culture. Because the question is, what do your people do when they walk by the pop bottles? And whatever is the most dominant force is how they're going to behave. So if I have a cup of coffee and I put an ice cube in it, what happens? Well, the ice cube melts. Why? Because the coffee is the more dominant force. But if I take that dominant force of the coffee and I bring it to the North Pole, what happens to the coffee? It freezes. So what you want to do, what organizational culture is, is creating the dominant force which you want. So how do you do that? Well, if you have a toxic culture and you bring in a new hire, what happens to him or her? She becomes toxic. This is the way we do it. On the flip side, if you bring, have a healthy culture and you bring in someone new, what do they do? They go, oh, this is the way we do it. I'm in. Okay, so then how do we shift to it? Well, from the 1080-10 perspective, you have to identify it. It starts from, and again, I'm giving you the crash course. So I, I say, so I always say you start from the desired result. The desired result is what is the goal, the mission, the outcome? What's, what is it you're trying to achieve? What's the end in mind? And so if your idea is around getting away, from, you want to create a healthy environment, a healthy culture. Well, the next thing you want to isolate is who's my top 10? And who's my bottom 10? Who's my top 10, which means who are the people right now exhibiting behaviors that are pushing me towards the goal I want to achieve? And right, and for sure. And but this is what most people do think, oh, who's my bottom 10? Which is who are the people pulling me away because there's the squeaky wheel, right? We're going to give them the grief. That's typically what we tend to do. So we go, oh, these guys are toxic. Let's beat them into submission. Let's yell at them. Let's berate them. Let's fight with them. Let's argue with them. Let's take them to the council. And what you end up doing is you're giving the fruit basket to the wrong people because you don't even know why they're bottom 10. They could be bottom 10, not because they're anti-establishment or anti-culture. They could be bottom 10 because they're in a bad relationship at home. And every day, every day when they come into work, they're just the, the, the soul is sucked out of them. And it doesn't matter what you do at work. They are not ready. So no matter how many resources you put on them, they're going to be wasted. So the philosophy is very simple. What's the desired result? Who's my top 10? Who's my bottom 10? Then you neutralize the bottom 10, which is minimum amount of time, energy, attention, thought, and resources. And you maximize the top 10. And so what this will do is over time, you'll create that magnetic force of the top 10. The majority 80 starts following. This is when the secret sauce kicks in. Once you have that critical mass, that's your top 10 plus your majority 80, the bottom 10 does one of two things. Either people go, hey, wait for me. I want to straighten out the pop bottle. Or they go, B, this isn't what I signed up for. I don't want to be part of this organization. And they leave and you get natural attrition. And that's way better than trying to fix the problem because you don't even know what the problem is. When people regulate themselves, when they straighten out the pop bottle on their own, not because there's someone's yelling at them or there's a camera watching, they do it because that's the way we do it around here. That's when you have a cycle that's just as hard to break as the negative one. All right. Now let me throw something in here. You have this bottom and you have said a couple of times, you do not know why they're the bottom. Does it behoove me to go and find out, to hold some focus groups, to say what would make you be more engaged in this organization? Do, is it worth it for me to put in that kind of energy? I think it depends. It's, it's a, you know, you're asking me a very generic question. It depends on the situation. It depends on what your desired result is. In general, the answer is no. 
That's the general. And, and I'll, I'll give you an example. So I was, I was doing a presentation one time and this guy put up his hand and he started challenging me. And he's going, hold on a second. So this like 108010 stuff is about like focusing on your strengths. And I said, yeah, that's a huge part of it. And he goes, so you're telling me if I'm coaching a bunch of four-year-olds and trying to teach them to play soccer, I should only play my best players. And I said, back up, hold on a second. Because what's the desired result? Because if the desired result is to win, then yep, you play your best. But I'm going to make the argument when you're teaching four-year-olds to play soccer, it's not about winning. It's about skill development. It's about communication. It's about good sportsmanship. And that's why the kid who works the hardest gets rewarded the most. So it really comes down to what's the desired result. Because, if, again, if that changes, you know, your top 10 and bottom 10 can swap very quickly. And I'll give you a quick uh, work example is sometimes in a situation, say you're doing a brainstorming exercise at work. Okay. And you have in the group a devil's advocate. Now, there's a tendency to want to strangle the devil's advocate in this situation, right? Because they're like, oh, well, what happens if aliens come down and abduct us? And you want to smack them and go, shut up. That's not the exercise. But what happens in the same group of people? I'm now doing an exercise in safety. And now the brainstorming people who were top 10 now become bottom 10. And the devil's advocate who were bottom 10 now become top 10. So the answer depends on what the desired result is, but I'll, I'm going to give you one other example is sometimes you're forced to work with the bottom 10. And I can give you a quick example of that is I've done a lot of work in education and there was a mantra for many years that said no child left behind. And so, and in, 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 in again, using this framework, this is not a, an assessment on individuals using the framework, kids who hate school would be bottom 10. And so if a teacher said no child left behind, I'm forced, and I put that quotes, I'm forced to focus on the bottom 10. So in this case, what I say is you 10, 80, 10, the bottom 10. So in the bottom 10, you have a top 10 to the bottom 10, a bottom 10 to the bottom 10, a bottom 10, a bottom 10 and you read 10, 80, 10 them. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it, it does. Go ahead, Mitch. Yeah, I want to ask a question. Uh, I love this idea because usually what happens is, um, let's take the case of a business is um, let's take the case of hybrid, let's say. So we've just moved to hybrid and the culture, you know, we have a pretty good culture. Um, and let's say we ask a hundred people, how's it going with this new culture? You have like two that are complaining that, oh, this is horrible. It's bad that nobody loves me anymore. And then you've got, let's say your top 10, which is saying, well, actually I like this. I like this. I like this. What is it about human nature that we dive into the bottom, those bottom two instead of, cause, cause I'm really, Sanjay, I'm like really asking you like, how do we shift leaders to say, no, don't go there. What you really want to do is, so what would you be, what would be your direction there, both from a psychological perspective and then just a leadership perspective? Hi, we are taking a quick break to remind you to support our podcast by hitting the subscribe button and leaving us a review. Your feedback means a lot to us. And with that, we can put together more engaging and thought-provoking content for leadership and remote work. So the psychological perspective, I would comment this. I'd say, if I wrote a test and I got 16 out of 20 on the test, what are the first four questions I'm going to look at? The four that I got wrong. Right. Because I want to learn from my mistakes. But if I obsess with that and I only learn those four and I only spend all my time there, guess what? 80% of my tests, next time I'm gonna forget those answers. So you wanna acknowledge it. This is not about ignoring it. And then the language I say is you wanna neutralize it. What do I mean by that? 
Neutralize it is minimal amount of time, energy, attention, and thought, so it no longer draws resources. So sometimes, again, it means ignoring it. Sometimes it means firing those people. Sometimes it means pairing them up with a top 10 so they see the virtues, right? So the, the idea is not to ignore them, but it, it is going to be situationally based. So yes, you. The, what's the psychology? The psychology is, yeah, we, we think we've got, because we've got 16 out of 20, we think we know everything about that. And, and we go, oh, squeaky wheel, squeaky wheel. They, they've got to get the attention. But because we don't know the rationale behind it, you could be throwing so many resources at it and you're just burned through your resources. And it, it actually is what I call the triple whammy. Okay, three whammies. Whammy number one, they don't change their behavior. And let me give, give an example. I'm a professional speaker, have been for a long time. If I'm in an audience and there's a guy in the back corner hacking away at his iPhone, not paying attention to me, right? I can focus on him. This is a bottom 10 strategy, but it falls into the triple whammy. Whammy number one, does he or she change their behavior? If I give them more eye contact and tell them jokes and send them energy and love, do they even know I'm doing it? They have no clue. They're still on their phone. So whammy number one is they don't change their behavior. Okay, whammy number two, how do I feel? Demotivated, spent, beaten up. I go home and go, honey, no one was listening. And it wasn't no one, it was one person that I empowered. So that's whammy number two. Whammy number three, here's the most powerful one that most people forget about. And this is the one the leaders want to really emphasize on can help make that mind shift. How does everyone else around that person feel? And the answer is ignored. You see, all the time and energy I was wasting with the energy vampire, the energy black hole, I could have been making a difference to the people around them who are actually open and willing to listen and shift. But instead, I waste my resources. I'm throwing away my fruit basket. So what you want to do is get the best mileage out of your fruit basket, your biggest bang for your buck, you know, insert cliche here. But the idea is you want to be efficient and use your resources as best you can. And that will come from focusing on the top 10 to create an army to attract the majority 80. There you go. Right. And I love how, and as we keep talking to you, you educate us further on what you really mean, right? Because when you first hear the 108010, ignore, you know, ignore this. Every study, Mackenzie, whatever is, here's how people are feeling, right? 60% are not happy. So you better go, go take care of those. And you're saying, yes, but strategically, you better ask yourself some key questions. I was going to say, what people sometimes forget is people don't wake up in the morning, you know, twisting their evil mustache going, how can I be bottom 10 today? They, they don't do that other than Darth Vader. But the what people typically tend to do is they are the reason they're bottom 10 more often than not is a misfit. You can take someone in one department in an organization and relocate him or her into a different department in the same organization. And they go from being a dud to being a superstar in a matter of weeks because they're a misfit, not because they're a bad person. Yeah. Lencioni talks about a lot about that in teams. Just yeah, just move them up. Yeah, I love that. What are some of the tools then? You've been talking fruit basket. Now let's talk in terms of companies. We don't want leaders going off buying a million. Well, fruit Yeah, we all go, we'll buy some stock in fruit baskets. What are the tools? Okay, so now I do want to build my top 10. And I want them to be the role models, the people that I pair some of the, the 80 with to try to infiltrate this culture. What are those things? 
So, I mean, the idea, again, it always starts from what is the desired result, right? You know, what, what are you trying to, so this is a question that came up a lot during, during the pandemic. So I went two years without doing an in-person program. And so I was doing the virtual stuff. And one of the questions that came up a lot in virtual programs was, well, how does this 108010 stuff apply to vaccinations? You know, and rolling out vaccinations. And and so I, I'm gonna sort of address that and then try to come back and, and circle back to that question. So what I would say is first of all, again, desired results very important. Who's your top 10? Vax vacciners or anti-vacciners? Right? So that's the first question. Because I'm not trying to be political here and I'm not trying to say do this or don't do this. I don't care. The the framework doesn't have a bias, right? The framework is a structure for the approach. So those questions that were coming were coming from a pro-vaccination standpoint. So I'm going to answer the question from there, but the exact same applies on the flip side. So if I'm a pro-vaccinator, my top 10 are vaccinated, vaccine, people are getting the vaccine, my bottom 10 are the people that are anti-vaccine versus if I'm an anti-vaccinator, then my top 10 are anti-vaccinators, my bottom 10 are pro. So what do we want to do? We want to figure out the desired result. The desired result is to get get the population vaccinated. Okay, who are the top 10? People getting vaccinations, who are the bottom 10? People anti, good. Then what I wanna do is neutralize the bottom 10 and power the top 10. So from a standpoint of getting the population vaccinated, the worst thing you can possibly do is offer case studies, highlight attention, media coverage, social media about people saying, I looked at the vaccine and my dog got a rash, it's evil, right? Like anything that is anti-vaccine, is you don't want to highlight. You don't want to argue and going, this person said this, it's not true. The science says this, you want, because by spending that time, you're actually empowering it. You're giving it a platform. So what you want to do is shut it down. And again, sometimes it's ignoring. Um, as, as an educator in front of a group, there are different levels of, if, if someone's not paying attention, there's different levels which you, you deal with it. One level is ignore. Another level is you go, Shh, please, I'm, I'm trying to speak. Another level is shut up, get out. Another level is here's an assignment. Another level is group assignment. Another level is today we're working from home. There, there's different things you can do and your experience dictates which you do in what particular situation. So going back to the vaccinations, I go neutralize. I wanna, I, I, I wanna shut them down. I don't wanna give them the platform. So, and again, that means not reacting. It means not offering the, the situation. And then on the flip side, what you want to do is you want to empower the top 10. What does that mean? Case studies, media coverage, a sweater for being the first person in the office to, 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 to have the triple vaccination or whatever the value you are trying to espouse, how do you reward that? But more importantly, how do you give attention to the reward? How do you highlight it? This is why we have employee of the month. This is why we have rewards on, on credit cards and cell phones and and Starbucks, because this is people empowering the top 10 behavior. All right. So now let's go back to uh, the other part of my question is think, and maybe, you know, of a real example, real company where the leader indeed was trying to create a more inclusive culture, even though everyone is accepting we're more hybrid Maybe we're going to meet, you know, once a month, everybody, and it's totally, you know, they can come up with a lot. That's actually a tool I just shared with you. What things have you seen work to empower that new behavior? Yeah. And so, again, going back to it has not changed. Just the form has changed. When you get into the hybrid stuff, if you were a cold 
heartless organization in person, chances are you're going to be a cold heartless organization online. And and if you like, and if you had bowling league and Tuesday night drink, you know, happy hour pre-COVID, you can replicate a lot of those things online. I know of organizations that have done that. They say, you know what, we're having Tuesday at six, from between six and eight p.m. We are getting together on this Zoom call, and all we're going to do is talk about life. No work allowed, right? I know of organizations that have done this as, as a thank you. They were saying, hey, we couldn't do our dinner. So what they do is they do a Zoom call or, you know, pick your pick your platform. They mail, like they Uber eats food to everyone and we sit down and have a meal together, right? So there are still platforms they do or, and it could be work related or not. Um, but the things that you were doing to gather people in to make them feel like a whole body experience and not just a face or a worker, but hey, Ginny, how 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 is your how is your kid's soccer game? Like that kind of stuff. And but here's the key in doing all of this: it has to be done from a place of authenticity and not checking a box. Because if I'm robotically going, you know, hey Ginny, how was your kid's soccer game? And then I'm on my phone while you're talking. And I'm, obviously, I'm exaggerating to say that, but if you don't genuinely, truly, authentically believe it, don't do it because it does more harm than good. All right. So last question to satisfy my juices is one of the things that have been mentioned the most about what to do during these times of hybrid is to have more frequent one-on-ones with your people. So. I look at my people and that's, let's say these are my key group and I might have, you know, let's, let's break it up of my key people. I got a 10, 80, 10, like you say, just keep breaking it up. However, I've also, I, here's what I would do. I would create more conversations with those people for the tens. I am going, uh, the top tens, I'm going to further engage and brainstorm and do wonderful things for our strategy, etc., and make them feel good about it. For the ones that are the in the middle, I might do some of those things you mentioned about partnering them or creating a team when they, they do have to partner with more folks, and hopefully some of that rubs off. And when I talk to the bottom ten, I am probably want to seek more because that is a goal that I have stated, which you said your actions need to be based on the outcomes you're looking for. Why are they not a top 10, right? I'm a, I may not ask them that right off. How are you feeling about the work? Uh, what could I do to help you feel better about the work? Um, who are you interacting with to try to get closer to that and then make a judgment. Hey, I think this person is going to move up or it's time to get rid of them. So hundred percent. And again, because I keep piecing, you know, more information. One of the big things about 108010 is people are not top 10 and bottom 10. People exhibit behaviors based on a dimension you're measuring that make them top 10 and bottom 10 in that particular area of life. So as a human being, you live in all three areas at any given time in your life. You might be top 10 when it comes to your career. You might be bottom 10 when it comes to exercising. You might be majority 80 when it comes to relationships. So another technique to try to gather people in is depending on how intimately you know your group. If the bottom 10, 
first of all, why are they bottom 10? They're bottom 10 in the dimension you're looking at. The bottom 10 is output of work. Okay, they may be bottom 10 in output of work, but they might be top 10 when it comes to being social. So what we do is we now empower them to be the leader in the social realm. And if they may, they may suck at output, but again, pick a, pick a uh, discipline, they're, they're a sales rep and they suck at selling, but they can bring the team together so cohesively that people sing kumbaya in the halls. Right, and so this is why I'm gonna actually purposely interrupt you right now. I realize I'm doing that. That is why you are such a proponent and expert in strength-based leadership. It, when you can figure out the strength of that person and what they can contribute, that's where you put your energy. So it, it, exactly it. I was doing some work with a, um, a golf course years ago and the executive director uh, him and I were having a chat afterwards and he was saying that they were relatively small, there may be like a hundred people on the staff. And he was saying that what he does, he did all the personal hiring uh, still at that point and saying, one of the things he does is six weeks after he hires someone, he does a check-in and he gets got sort of like standard questions. Like what, what do you love most about the job? What do you hate most about the job? What can we, you know, kind of standardy kind of questions, but it's a really good check-in. And what he was trying to do is assess fit. He said one time he was checking with a server, it's a kid, young kid, and he was like, you know, you know, what do you love most about the job? And he's like, oh man, I love getting the order right. You know, you know, they don't want mayo and putting it into the system and following and tracking. And he's like, oh, I love that. And he was like really excited about getting it right. And so he's like, okay. And he goes, what do you, what do you hate most about the job? And the guy goes, probably the customers and dealing with them. And he's going, okay, so this is one of my servers. This is maybe not the best fit for him. And just how his attention to detail and stuff, he was a number cruncher. He wanted to be a controller, right? He wanted to be an accountant. And so he, what we do is he kind of joggle things. So as a server, this kid is on track to be a bottom 10. He might show up on his best behavior, but he will burn out because it's not sustainable. Eventually he's going to go, customers are pissing me off too much. Right. And, and, and he, will, he will sink. But by reassessing, he could get that kid in the right fit and make him go from bottom 10 to a top 10. And so I joked with him and I said, so was that a promotion or a demotion? And, and him and I kind of came up with a term uh, that day. We call it a fit motion. And it's it's yeah, it's not about being right or wrong. It's about is it the good fit for you? And that's what we want to do. I think our job as leaders is is to help people recognize and empower what their top 10 is. And if it's not in the particular department that they're in right now, how do we help them and empower them to walk away or shift into a role that is still required by us that we can really help them? Oh, that's a wonderful way to, to end all the wonderful things you have shared with us. So how can people find you? My website is uh, my name, sunjaynath.com. So www.sunjaynath.com. And there's videos and email and I have social media presence and you know, just Google my name and in theory, good things pop up. Fabulous. Mr. Simon. Thank you so much, Sanjay. This has been a lot, a lot of fun. And I really think it's a profound freedom for leaders who, you know, look at, let's say the bottom 10 and instead of like, okay, I'm going to spend some energy there. And I'm going to fix this thing. It's like, no, it's really, you go spend all of your energy on the top where the strengths are and you bring the, you bring the top up instead of the bottom down. So I really like that. And it's a, it's a really great lesson for us to constantly remember because when you get those people at the bottom 10, you don't know why they're bottom 10, but sometimes it just doesn't require a lot of energy. It takes you to go and dig into that. So Sanjay, thank you so much. 
another Canadian on the show. Love having Canadians on the show. This is awesome. Please share this. Yes. Please share this episode of Team Anywhere with your friends, your colleagues, your family. Uplift them. And we'll see you next time on our next episode of Team Anywhere. Before we sign off for today, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and lead us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your support helps us grow. And by subscribing, you'll be the first to know when our next episode is available.